Hello, and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Human Design with Victoria Jane. Here, we have candid, insightful conversations about human design and what it's like living your experiment. We'll hear from entrepreneurs, healers, and growth-oriented folks as they practice living their design. And we use these conversations as a space to share the challenges, wins, the ahas and learning moments of living in alignment with your truest life. There's no one right way to do it, and these conversations are here to reassure, expand, and inspire you on your own human design experiment. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am really looking forward to talking about the solar plexus or the emotional center. Two different names, same thing, everyone has one, and in particular, it feels like I've been working with or apprenticing, I don't know, searching for the right word here, but really just studying the energy of this center. I'm open in my emotional center, so I have zero gates coming out of it, totally white, and using my breakup slash divorce and all of the feelings that have come up with this chapter and this transition to more fully live in a whole and true way with an open emotional center. And and some of you or many of you may know that I have gone through this and ended a seven-year relationship in the fall of 2020. Both my former partner and I have, have shared about this, but I haven't really gone too deep into the nuances of it or even maybe just the specifics of the different feelings I've had because I think in part because the platform, social media isn't the best place to go deep into that. And I think there have been so many lessons that have been helpful for me. And I hope that this, some of what I share today is helpful for you because I think one of the best things I think that I can do as a 6-2 profile or as a six line with a transpersonal karma, as somebody who really desires having an impact on the collective, but for so long I was chasing, trying to fulfill that in some way through a specific cause or thinking I needed to, you know, be part of a company or some kind of expert about a topic. Very fifth line. What is really freeing for me to know now is that simply by living my life as a six line and being the role model and sharing, which of course comes with its own edges of being vulnerable, that that's actually how I get to have an impact. So yeah, that's part of my intention to share in alignment with my design with the hopes that it's helpful for you. And of course, this can apply to you if you have an undefined or open emotional center. It can also be helpful for you if you are defined, but you know someone or are close to people who have open emotional centers, which chances are that's the case because we're 50-50 defined and undefined in the population. And whether or not you're defined or undefined, if you have a solar plexus center and you've been somehow picked up the experience of resisting feeling, this hopefully will be of use to you or interesting to you too. And I think that's a lot of us because whether you have a wave and and sometimes the lows don't feel like they're acceptable or you have been really sensitive as an undefined or open person and it's not felt safe to really go to those depths, a lot of that has been my experience. We are going to get into that. 
So one quick thing on definitions, because I, I know a lot of people will ask about this. Obviously, if you're defined, you're colored in here in the triangle on the right side of your chart. If you're white, you can be either undefined or open, and this is where human design terminology gets a little confusing sometimes because undefined means it's white, but there are gates coming out, so little half lines. And if you have a white center with no lines, you're totally open, which is what I am, the most open to picking up energetic information, emotional information in this case. But openness also refers to just being white anywhere. So I'll try to, you might hear me use the terms interchangeably, and I just wanted to clarify that. Now, let's start with having an open solar plexus, open emotional center. So having an open emotional center, this was one of the first things that I learned about in my design where it clicked for me, oh my gosh, human design is definitely quote unquote real, because it's exactly the experience I've had as I started learning about like, what is this emotional center and what does it mean to be open here? I had seen people around me in my life who seemed to just like have more feelings than I did. And so to all of a sudden have this vocabulary or way of identifying, oh, half the population has a defined emotional center and they are riding emotional waves. Like all of a sudden it made sense to me why some people seemed different in that way because I had never felt that. And at the same time, I've always also known that I've been really sensitive to picking up on feeling. The clearest example is in media, watching like a movie or hearing a song and like, I can just, I can tear up just like so quickly and it not even about something that sad. Like it's even happened like a couple days ago. I, I don't really listen to punk rock at all, but someone had put this song in front of me, these like really cute teenage girls who started this new band and they were singing about like, it was like angsty teenage music about what life was like in quarantine. So like not overtly sad, but I could feel the underlying core of, wow, it sucks to be trapped inside and we're like teenagers and we just want to like, what is the world going to be like? And I I started tearing up. I almost want to link this song just in case anyone else wants to hear it and be like, yeah, this song isn't that sad. Or or maybe you're open here and you want to hear it and and you also feel sad about it. But I started tearing up. So before I go too far off, having an open emotional center has totally been a part of my chart that's resonated. And growing up with this open solar plexus, a main thing that I've always felt is that I have been told I was too sensitive. So growing up, I remember like my parents telling me like, oh my gosh, you, you, you cry so much. Like as a baby, you cried so much. And when my mom has also shared, like, I could go on these crying marathons. And in fact, she questioned whether she should even have another kid because I was like such a crier. I have a younger sister, so that's how that all turned out. But I grew up with this sense of, I think, shame really around, of course, being sensitive and also not totally being met or feeling seen in what I was feeling. And so that's some of kind of like the early experience that I went through. And I think a lot of people with open solar plexuses probably feel this way, or even if you're not, but you know, you could also have a defined wave and feel this way because just in general, there isn't as much of an orientation towards holding and being able to process some of these lower emotions. And so that's kind of one imprint that I had. I also grew up in a household with a good amount of anger and that anger taking up a lot of space. And so I wasn't also allowed to feel angry. It was like other people, the adults could be angry. 
And then, you know, and obviously being having Asian immigrant parents plays into this too, like it was very much like, that's the overall emotional tenor. And I wasn't allowed to talk back or really push back in any way. (laughs) This is a little bit of a side story. But like, at one point, I remember when I was a teenager, I must have seen it like on TV where you see kids like get in a fight with their parents. And then they like walk out of the room and like slam the door or something. I distinctly remember at one point, like, I'm gonna try that. (laughs) And of course, like, you know, so I'm in a fight with my parents, like teenage self. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't remember what I said, but I left and then like went to my room and slammed the door. And of course, I don't know what I thought it was gonna happen. Of course it didn't end there, like it does on TV. But, you know, then they came over and I think I was just in ten times more trouble. So anyway, that's another sort of learned emotional imprint or conditioning, right? For me, like not only was I feeling and picking up on the emotions of people around me and amplifying them, as is the case with all white open centers, but then the learned piece was, okay, so there's not space for my emotions. And this is something that is really confusing, I think, for open emotionals is, you know, I don't know what I'm feeling (laughs) because I'm feeling a lot of stuff. It might be coming from the external, but if I'm involved in the situation, I'm also feeling things, but I don't know what's mine and what's theirs. And especially like, you know, if you grew up like I did, where I would put other people's feelings ahead of my own as a very understandable survival strategy, you know, it almost didn't matter (laughs) whether I knew what I was feeling was mine or not. Because it was just about, okay, you know, someone's upset, so that's what's happening, like, adapt to it and move forward, right? And there wasn't, there also wasn't much conflict uh, resolution in my household. So that sets the stage a little bit about what it was like for me to grow up with this open emotional center. And what that left me with was essentially feeling One, often not knowing what I'm feeling and not having developed necessarily like a strong sense of being able to navigate that. Also, sometimes a fear of being overwhelmed by others' emotions because that was also a pattern of like, okay, other people are going to feel things and I don't get space or I don't get a chance to express or even know what's going on for me. And so often the conversation about the open emotional center is like, well, you know, the gift of it is that you can be empathetic and then it's up to you to learn and, you know, the languages become wise to figure out how to draw healthy emotional boundaries. But there's a lot that happens there, you know, getting from the awareness of, okay, I have this open emotional center and I can feel things to then actually getting to the point where, hey, I can feel what's going on. I can assess the dynamics. I can remain both connected to how I'm feeling, what I'm picking up on, disaggregate them, be in my adult self to then articulate these boundaries, right? Whatever they might be. And so something practical that I wanted to say there before getting into more of my experience is when we're dealing with emotional center situations and there is a sense of, oh, what if what needs to be felt is too much? It's really important to not push yourself past the point of what your nervous system can handle, right? Like, I know for myself, because the the space between feeling someone else's intense emotional feeling to, okay, now they're 
what the groove the groove that had been cut was like okay now their feelings are going to completely take over because that was the response that I had developed like it, it was impossible for me to or very hard for me to be able to have the capacity to hold and receive the emotional energy and naturally amplify it and hold it and be able to stay calm and resourced so one it's totally fine to take a break I think that is a really important thing for everybody to know. Sometimes if you're, let's say, an anxious attachment person, it might feel really threatening to take a break when you're in an emotional conflict, but it is really necessary, especially for folks that might have had a similar situation or, or background like I do, or just, you know, you're, you're overwhelmed. Like, it's important to get resourced first. And then eventually the part of what also gets to happen on a longer term time frame is can I develop a higher tolerance for my nervous system to actually hold more? Like your slider on what is too much can evolve and grow. So with that, this past year, my breakup, the ending of my relationship has been obviously challenging, but also such a teacher in the context of relating to my open emotional center. And my former partner, Jonathan, who will be on the podcast, I'm pretty sure at some point, also has an undefined emotional center. So the two of us in conflict could often turn into one person feeling something, the other person amplifying, then feeling their thing, and then amplifying back. And that's not the topic of today's conversation. But I do want to say that even if you're open, Everybody has feelings. We're all human, right? It's just that whenever the open emotional feels something, it's for a reason. So in the case of, say, a conflict with someone, you're feeling maybe upset or triggered or angry or whatever for a reason. Now, coming back to myself. So in the uncoupling, there were many challenging emotions that came up that I got to negotiate a new relationship for, specifically anger, both being able to receive and hold other people's anger and to feel my own, which before this work, which I'll get into with MDMA therapy, like up until this point, I've known for several years that anger is a challenging emotion for me, but I didn't have to make space to hold and feel it like I did in, in this process. And so I'll get more into that in a bit but also like so much sadness came up, so much grief. And as somebody who doesn't have regular emotional waves and lows, this was also so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. And then of course, my abandonment wound also came up. And I mentioned all these things to say, like, we all have lows. You know, I think a lot of people I work with, it's like, we can feel bad about the lows, but everybody goes through them. And this relationship transition has become, I think it's still ongoing, but the, the major initial waves of it became an initiation into a greater depth of feeling for me. And I think with an open emotional, it's like the most sensitive parts of ourselves can feel the most tender to feel into. And so I know that through the work, the healing work that I've been doing the last year, it's like I can I feel reconnected to like the parts of my emotional center and I know heart isn't I have to be careful about language but like I mean heart in kind of the general sense like my feeling heart 
it feels like I am connecting to these parts of my heart and my feeling that I haven't been connected with since for like decades. So how did this all happen? A huge piece of this that I want to focus on right now is being able to do a couple of MDMA therapy sessions. And I do want to be clear, like this is as of now, not legal. And this was a very personal decision and not something that is necessarily right for everyone. And I'm by no means recommending it. But what I do want to do is share this experience that I've had because it was really healing for me. And, you know, maybe things will change in the future. Some of you may be familiar with MAPS and they're doing clinical I think, or some kind of trial with MDMA. But you, I think you have to have like officially signed off on PTSD to participate in those trials. So anyway, being in the Bay Area where there is a lot of interest in psychedelic therapy and MDMA therapy, I feel very lucky to have been able to kind of connect into that world and find some healers who changed my life. And in particular, my relationship to my solar plexus. And I think it was just meant to to happen it was super synchronistic a friend I mean not even a close friend reached out out of the blue to catch up and it had kind of been in the back of my head that this was something that I wanted to explore and we met up and I didn't know that she knew someone that she had worked with but we met up and she actually had unexpectedly been going through something similar in her relationship and that is how I found the healers that I got to work with for this. And I had done MDMA in social party settings before, but never in a medicinal therapeutic setting. And so first of all, it was just interesting before I get into the specifics of certain emotional pieces. It was just interesting for me to compare my MDMA experience with plant medicine experiences. And I actually found this MDMA therapy to be more challenging for me than ayahuasca. And you know, I have a lot of abstract sensing circuit gates. And so there's, I think I just kind of have that personality type where I'm like, yeah, I want to like jump into the unknown and see what the next experience is. And I'm quite comfortable with that. And so with psychedelics, it, you know, I'm, I've always been quite comfortable with like, yeah, I, I want to get in there. I want to know what's hidden in the closet. And I'm also quite mental, right? Like defined Ajna. What was challenging about MDMA was so much of it was actually staying in the feeling and staying in the body. And it, that was really different for me. Like I couldn't just kind of fly off and have all these amazing visions. It was like, nope, what is real right now? And so I had two sessions over the course of maybe like four or five months with a bunch of integration pre and post like prep and integration sessions. So I think, I think it's important that it wasn't just the actual medicine experience, but also all of the processing that, that came with it, that together was the healing. And in these two sessions, there were two, each, each session had its own theme. The first one, and what I really took away from it was how to be okay with this anger. And it's funny because I mentioned I I'm able to stay quite lucid in psychedelic experiences, but with MDMA, for whatever reason, I, I actually don't remember a lot of what happens, but it's only in retrospect that I can look back and be like, wow, I'm showing up emotionally differently. So first session was about feeling a lot of anger 
actually feeling safe in my nervous system to have that, and then expanding my capacity to feel, and, and that also feeling safe. And then in the second session, which was a little bit later, let's maybe say like a few months later, I was in this deep period of grieving. So in many ways, like the classic sort of five stages of, is it the five stages of grief? Anyway, the five stages of, maybe it's like loss, but there's anger, right? And then I forget what the others are, but at some point there's also like an acceptance and grief piece. And so in that classic unraveling, my second session, I was really letting myself feel grief and letting it be okay. And that might sound so simple to, I don't know, to some people, but for me it was, it didn't compute. I didn't actually know how to feel the full enormity of my sadness, my grief, and to not have these almost like primal red flag, like areas of my brain light up. That's the best way I can describe it. Like intellectually, I knew, obviously, like, of course, it's okay to feel my feelings. I hear it all the time. I say it all the time. But it was a totally different thing for me to actually experience it in my body because the conditioning, the upbringing that I had was, oh, when I am feeling sad or I'm picking up on things, it's rejected. I'm not going to be met. I'm not going to be seen. It's not acceptable. And, you know, when you're really small, like if you're a baby crying and and nobody picks you up or whatever, I'm not saying this is what, I'm just using this as an example, but if that's what happens, then there's the learned consequence of, oh, if I'm feeling these negative emotions, it is actually an issue of survival. And I might actually be as a totally helpless, like baby or young person, nobody is going to be there for me. And that is, and so it's not okay. It's not okay to feel sad. So that was the other thing that I was working on. And I guess I just want to describe like the reason why this work has been so different from a lot of the other things that I've done, whether with just like myself, you know, with like hypnosis, reprogramming, journaling, or with others, like in a therapy setting. The reason this felt so different was with the assistance of the medicine. There is a baseline level of chemicals dropping in that allowed me to feel like heart opened. And then of course, with the healers I was working with, safe. And so all of a sudden there's this, I had this like simultaneous, like huge expansion and space created to feel like intense opening and vulnerability. And then also the incredibly potent like reparenting work of being met and being seen. And I remember after the first session saying like, it feels like the the walls of my heart just got like punched out and expanded. And this experience, I feel like has really set the stage for me to take to the next level my ability to set emotional boundaries. Because, you know, we can all say we want to set these boundaries, but Setting them starts with first knowing how we feel, which obviously entails needing to be able to feel. And so just to ground it in an example, like prior, my pattern before this session, let's say, you know, during this uncoupling process, if I had been annoyed or hurt about something, lots of opportunities to be hurt about something, I might just kind of brush it off and be like, ooh, that's a little painful, but I'm going to contract and keep moving forward. And for example, like if 
if I was feeling a little contracted and Jonathan wanted to have a conversation or say like, hey, do you want to, you know, come and discuss something? I would say, no, I'm good. Like, because we are co-parenting our dog together and maybe I I would have the dog and I was going to swing by and he'd be like, oh, do you want to come in? And I'd be like, no. And now having had this experience of, okay, I can expand my capacity to feel, oh, I'm actually really hurt right now. Instead of just saying no, like, and this is, again, both simple and profound, at least for me, there's more space for me to be present with my emotional truth of, oh, this doesn't feel good, and be resourced enough in my nervous system to to have enough of my adult self stay online and then say instead, like, you know what, I actually, it doesn't feel great for me right now. I need some space and I'll get back to you. That's obviously so much healthier of a way to set a boundary than I'll, I'll just call myself out on it, like being passive aggressive, which in the prior pattern, I would have, that's how I was showing up. And so that's what honoring the open emotional center is like, or just honoring the emotional center in general is what am I actually feeling? And can I stay with myself enough to express it? When things are painful, how can I soften as opposed to go rigid? So that was one huge lesson. I mean, obviously, it's not a like, great, I had that experience. And now that's it. (laughs) It's an ongoing practice of each time something shows up in life as an opportunity that I get to exercise it and stay open and soft. But it feels really huge. The other lesson that I mentioned of, of really being able to stay with myself in the sadness and the other part of this first session that I had touched on was this anger and being able to hold it. And what that looked like a lot of the time was just me at times just feeling angry and like screaming, like letting myself articulate it. And other times just feeling angry and then saying like, oh my gosh, this is so uncomfortable. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And then having the the healers say like, no, you've got this. Like, it's okay. And being able to hold it, it, it's almost, it's frustrating. Like, I wish there was more that I could articulate in terms of the felt sense, but sometimes I guess language can only do so much. But that was my first session, expanding the heart, holding all of these challenging emotions, especially anger, in order to set the stage to stand by my emotional truth, my open emotional center, so that I can now show up with the ability to set clearer boundaries. The second session, which I want to go into a little bit more too, which is all about being able to like meet myself and feel okay to feel sadness, and not just in that intellectual sense, but in my body, was also really profound. And I remember showing up to that session in the beginning and talking about like, I'm going through so much grief right now it feels terrible. You know, I'm not sleeping, I'm not really eating. And like, what do I do? Like, I get that I'm supposed to just ride this, but it doesn't feel okay, was was kind of the bottom line. And something that I got back in response was, well, imagine that your feelings are like these fish in the ocean, right? And so, you know, maybe grief pops up, maybe sadness pops up, maybe hopelessness pops up maybe things being unbearable is what's swimming through right now. You can have all these fish swimming through your experience, but you aren't the fish. You are actually the 
the ocean, the awareness that holds all of this. And I remember hearing that and being like, okay, like, yeah, that sounds great. But I I feel like the fish right now. The fish is really huge. (laughs) And in the second session, of course, MDMA was a part of it where, I mean, the second session, I basically just spent crying all the time, I think, (laughs) and being held, which was so healing. But towards the end, I also got to take some ketamine. And what this did was it helped pull my awareness out from feeling these different fish feelings to more into the ocean. And it was one of these incredibly beautiful experiences. And I've had, I've had many beautiful psychedelic experiences. This was a little bit different. And really the image that was so healing was, you know, I had been spending these hours feeling all these feelings, crying. And when I had the ketamine come in, I saw myself like just weeping in in the earth, like almost it's just this sense I could see myself and I could feel my heart breaking. And then at the same time, I was also my higher self. And I was my higher self holding my human self in the furrow of the earth in almost like, you know, those glass jars that you might put like a like a little naturey terrarium thing in. It's like I could see myself weeping and sobbing and I was holding myself in a little glass bell as my higher self, just sending so much love and support and compassion to myself. And again, that somatic experience of being able to be the ocean completely rewired something for me. And so, of course, you know, the session ends and there were still, I think I still had like probably another month of really intense grieving that happened in the, in that wave for me. But the grief that I felt after that experience, I was able to touch back into, okay, wait, I can feel the sadness and feel okay here because I know what it's like to feel both of these things at the same time. And it overrode my prior conditioning patterning of being, you know, that kid that wasn't met where those red survival flags and flashes were going off in my brain to something totally different in my nervous system. And so it's still ongoing for me right now. There's still different modalities and kinds of work that I'm doing with feeling and having this, having this open emotional center. But now when I feel sadness and, and there came an opportunity a couple months later where there's something something else happened in the relationship and the uncoupling where I was like, oh, I feel really abandoned here. That I could be so sad and be sobbing and also feel, and this was totally new for me, the pleasure of allowing myself to feel sad and how good it felt to have the relief of just feeling sad. And I know the me from even call it like six yeah like six to eight months ago would be like I get the words of what you're saying but I don't know what that feels like so I just you know the timing of it has been I would say relatively quick and I think it just speaks to the power of reprogramming and whatever modality happens to work for you and a lot of what I've been describing here I think I relate back to Joe Dispenza's work and Candace Pert's work where you know, we feel certain things, aka chemicals, you know, molecules of emotion get released in our body. And it's our brains and what we've learned that take those 
emotional chemicals and make it mean something. And so that's where the reprogramming has happened for me, where I can feel these chemicals of these certain feelings, but it doesn't mean the same pathway that it used to in my brain. So that's a little bit about my emotional journey the last year or so, especially with the support of MDMA. Oh, I also want to mention the healers that I worked with. I thought this was really interesting. Their designs, because of course that came up. And one is an emotional MG. The other is a sacral MG. Both have feeling cognition, which I thought was super interesting because of course, like so much of what I learned with them was how to feel more. And so much of their skill came through being able to orient to and attune to what I was feeling. So I don't think it's a coincidence that their strongest sense is feeling. And also, they were incredible expanders for me around divorce because they had both gone through their own divorcings, divorcing. And another thing that was interesting is one had a defined spleen and they were like, yep, it was as soon as I knew it was a super quick process for me to have the conversation and move through the uncoupling. Whereas the the other with the undefined spleen was like, nope, I I actually you know, it took some time for me to actually make take action on it. And it's funny because as a defined spleen myself, like as soon as I, it was relatively quick for me to know like, oh, this is, this is done. This is no longer in alignment. And I was quite ready to kind of quickly make moves. Whereas with the undefined spleen, there's more of a sense of, do I want to hold on? I don't know. So Those are just some reflections separately around working with these people and and seeing their designs, which was really cool. The last thing I want to say, because I imagine there's many people who have felt lows, emotional lows, and wonder, like, why go through all this pain? Which is certainly what I also was questioning and asking at certain points. And there's that trope of like, you can only feel as high as you're willing to feel low, that like, we have to expand our capacity to feel in all dimensions in order to expand in just like, you can't expand in just the positive, similar to how you you can't pick and choose like, oh, I'm just going to work on my abs and like not get fit overall or whatever. And I remember being so frustrated about that during this kind of period as I was going into all this healing work. And how I reframed it for myself in a way that made more sense is, you know, when you're with somebody and they're not being emotionally real with you, like maybe they're pretending something's okay, or they're, they're glossing over something. And it's just for myself, I'm like, okay, this feels fake. This feels frustrating or whatever it is. And that's what this is about to me. It's about being able to be as real as possible. And that's worth it. Like the more real I feel like I can be, then that's true. And so rather than having to sort of accept that there is painful different emotional experiences, reframing it as realness has also helped me in all of this. So to wrap up from this whole story and experience, some things that might be helpful for you to think about or just for us to think about together around the emotional center. It's so easy to say, let yourself feel, make space for yourself to feel, but there's so so much that goes into it, practically speaking. Like you can't just mentally decide, okay, I'm going to feel more. Like 
the nervous system, the body, the psyche, like, is that all actually supported to, to do so? And if you are wanting to feel more, what kind of support do you need, right? And again, not saying that your experience has to be like mine, but it can be really helpful to have somebody, say, in like even traditional therapy that can show the way as to what feeling can look like. If you're an open emotional, I want you to know it's okay for you to allow this to be a process that feeling potentially overwhelmed by feelings or not wanting others' feelings to kind of intrude, especially if that's been something that happened when you were younger, is something that you can absolutely unwind. And for everyone, thinking about how your upbringing plays a role in how you feel your emotional center energy. What's easy and comfortable for you to feel? What's not? How are you taking in emotional energy? How do you let go of it? If that is something that you're consciously aware of, or if you want to be more consciously aware of it, how do you want to do that? And in hard situations, hard emotional situations, which I know many of us, I mean, probably everyone has been in, in the last recent amount of time, especially with relationship transitions in particular, how can they be part of your human design experiment? So if you're undefined, where do you need to be supported? If you're defined, are you okay with feeling all of your waves? And this is actually a little bit different from what we've been talking about so far, but for the defined emotional, I know a lot of times, whatever part of your wave you're on, the feelings can feel like facts, like this is what's happening right now. And can you give yourself patience to have that be what's happening, but also know that your wave continually is flowing and changing? And if you're a defined emotional who's close to an undefined emotional, can you just know that this is part of the experience of it, that it can be really intense, this being able to pick up on other people's emotions? So this is one slice of my journey with deconditioning and expanding into authentic embodiment of my open emotional center and Again, doesn't have to be your journey at all, but I hope that it reassures you if you've ever felt too sensitive or perhaps inspires you to think about feeling and relating to your emotional energy in a new way. If there's any feedback you want to share, if this is helpful, feel free to reach out at victoriajane.hd. I'd love to know if you learned anything new about relating to your own emotional center, those around you, and yeah, thanks so much for listening. I will see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you did, a couple quick asks. First, would you be willing to show some support with a review or sharing with a friend, maybe someone you're trying to get into human design? With the review, I know a lot of us are listening on the go, so myself included. So if you could pause while you're in line at the store or remember to check back in later, it is a free way to show some recognition, which you know I deeply appreciate as a projector. So thanks in advance. And secondly, I also love hearing what you're taking away from the episode. So if you want to take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at victoriajane.hd, I love knowing what you learned or if there's anything you have more questions on. 
we can always do future episodes and go deeper. I love connecting in that way via stories too, so feel free to do that. And thanks so much. See you on the next episode.